Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. And today, Laura and I have a delightful conversation with Mark Jenkins. Mark is a longtime friend of ours and one of the greatest athletes and coaches that Britain has ever produced. And in this episode, we dissect the men's and women's Tokyo Olympic Games triathlons and we discuss the standout performances and and try to give some advice to the athletes that may feel a little flat after their performances. Just some really great takeaways in this episode. Now, before we go on, thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. Um, if you are enjoying the show, you can support it by just simply sharing it on your social platforms and or you can support the show's partners, Athletic Greens, Hyperice, and Form Swim Goggles. Just all great companies and fantastic products. You can also support the show if you feel like it by supporting the Patreon page and and give as much as you like or as little and you can cancel that at any time. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did and remember success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. A quick mention of the show's partners. These are all great companies and products that I use daily. If you want to support the show, you'd be doing me a massive favor by supporting these brands. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice. Hyperice is my go-to solution for recovery and restoration. The handheld percussion therapy devices, the Normatec boots, and the vibrating rollers all release your deepest muscle tension and just aid your recovery. I own the Hypervolt Plus, I own the Hypervolt Go, the Normatec boots, and the vibrating rollers. And both my wife, Laura, and I use them every day before and after workouts and before bed. They're all just so easy to use at home. They're they're quiet, easy to charge, and have ready at any time. I encourage you to look after your body. Honestly, it's the only thing you get to keep for all of your life. All these Hyperize products are just simply brilliant. Get 10% off all high-priced products using the exclusive Greg Bennett Show code GREG21 at checkout. Go to hyperice.com, that's hyperice.com, H-Y-P-E-R-I-C-E.com, and use code GREG21 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by my longtime partner, an amazing company and brilliant product, Athletic Greens. I'm using Athletic Greens every day. Great taste, so quick and ready to go. Athletic Greens is a delicious blend of 75 superfoods and vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and a greens blend and more to support gut health, energy, and immunity and stress. I've also been doubling down on Athletic Greens vitamin D, a huge portion of the population of vitamin D deficient, myself included. And right now, Athletic Greens will give you a year's supply of vitamin D for free and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Do yourself a favor and sign up. It makes a great gift for a family member or a friend. So sign up now and get a free year of supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase by visiting athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. This episode is brought to you by Form. In my opinion, Form Smart Swim Goggles are the biggest thing to hit the swimming world. With Form Smart Swim Goggles, you can see all your key metrics while you're swimming, distance, your pace, stroke rate, and heart rate. The swim data is displayed on the goggle lens, and you can customize the display to see the key metrics that you want to see. I couldn't believe it when I first tried them. They fit like normal, comfortable goggles, and the display is there, but it's not in the way. I consciously look at the lens to see my stroke rate and my pace and my heart rate and distance. If you're a pool swimmer or an open water swimmer, I encourage you to check these goggles out. 
please go to formswim.com forward slash Greg. Again, that is formswim.com forward slash Greg and get $15 off the Form Smart Swim goggles at checkout or use code Greg2021 at checkout. All right, we're in the middle of the Olympic Games, and if you're like Laura and I, we find ourselves watching everything we can, simply watching the highs and lows of sport and the emotions that go with it. Just They make you feel alive and, and just connected. And today's guest is a longtime friend of ours and one of the greatest athletes and coaches that Britain has ever produced. He understands the highs and lows of the Olympics. In 2004, in the Athens Olympic Games, he was on a, in a bike crash and broke his wheel and carried his bike on his shoulder and ran for two kilometers to get it fixed. He then went on to finish the 10 kilometer run. Obviously not the result he had hoped for, but such was his determination to finish. He then coached his wife, Helen, to three Olympic games and multiple world titles. He lives and breathes the sport of triathlon, much like we do, and we thought, who better to bring on the show to dissect the Tokyo Olympic games? So welcome, and thanks for joining us on The Greg Bennett Show, one of the best men we know, Mark Jenkins. How are you, mate? I'm great. Good to talk to you both. And uh, yeah. thanks for having me on the show. Oh, of course. To you guys. Well, we, we had your lovely wife, Helen, on the show, uh, what was it, about this time last year, actually. And I've been really keen to get you on. I thought, what perfect timing. Then you and I often sit back and dissect every race and what's going on around the world. And I thought, you know, who better to bring on than, than Jinxie to discuss uh, these past couple of races? So um, thanks for joining us. And Laura, Yes. Thank you for getting up at 4.30 this morning um, and, and joining us as well. My it's pleasure. been a few weeks. <laughs> I love that stuff. That's the time you should be getting up anyway, guys. You've got two kids, right? Don't tell me they sleep past 4.30 in the morning. No. Do your kids sleep past 4.30 in the morning? Uh, we actually, we actually, we could be interrupted by our three-year-old at any point during this show, but our, our little one-year-old guy, he stays in his room till about 7.30, so we're pretty fortunate with him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Don't, we actually don't know if he's awake. He could be awake, but... Anyway, don't don't rub it in, guys. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> now, I want to own a couple of things at the start of this show. Jinxie, you're a little bit sick, so people, you'll have to excuse if he coughs every now and then. And you'll have to excuse my voice. I actually lost it for a couple of days there. Laura and I got a little fatigued. We had a pretty rough week with our little three-year-old getting bitten by a rattlesnake. And so we had a week in hospital, and I think we've both come out of a, a little fatigue. So I just want to get on that early, everybody, before we get into the show that our voices, we're working, we're warming them up, um, but it was a little bit of a rough week for, for all of us, I think. So Yeah, um, it's a bit of, bit of a drama you're, you're skirting over there, Bennett, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe talk over that a little bit. Your three-year-old bit by a rattlesnake it doesn't happen yeah. to everybody, and I'd be pretty scared. So I think the worst thing that could probably happen to a parent or anybody to have that much fear go into them in uh, a short space of time. I take five rattlesnake bites for her one. It's brutal. Yeah. We, we, it was basically Laura was taken for a walk after dinner. Yeah. Like we do. And, and just um, took him for a walk. And yeah, she just got away from me a little bit in front, like she does every night. And I pulled her out of the bushes in the right hand side. And I said, please stay on the trail. And she went into the left, just stepped in. And it's not high grass or anything, but she just didn't see the coiled up rattler. And I think it's, she might have even just startled him. And, it, it bitter and I, I turned around to grab my little boy behind us to keep us all kind of get together and she um screamed so I turned around and grabbed her and couldn't figure out what happened and I looked at her leg was bleeding and I thought oh my goodness what is that and then I looked down and the rattler was up perched and I thought oh geez and Greg had said you know you know get her to the hospital 
snakes are out, get her to the hospital. If you ever encounter any, I was hoping I'd never have to, but yep. So I ran to a neighbor and they got us to, to the hospital in time. And, you know, yeah, don't want to go into every single detail, but it was pretty yeah. Yeah, most importantly, Sydney's recovering now, right? She's happy, she's healthy, and looks okay. Yeah, she's okay, and and she got to do her first helicopter ride. Yeah, um, she was on her own for that, and and yeah. uh, and I asked her even at the hospital because she had th- four days at, at the PICU or the the pediatric ICU is what they call it, and uh, and I asked her, you know, what do you think of snakes? And she said. I like snakes. I just don't like the ones that bite me. So she has a better perspective than a father does. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, no, she, she, she's on the road to recovery. Um, I think we're starting to come out of the, the anxious phase that both Laura and I were in. And I think we, uh, yeah, we're, we're here to record a show about trying. There you go. Uh, yeah. uh, and every, everybody's moving forward and happy and healthy, mate. Good, yeah. good to know, buddy. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it must be stressful. Yeah. So in this episode today, I last week I had all the male Olympic champions on and all talking about how they won gold and, and uh, their experiences of the gold medal and how it's affected their lives. And, and I thought, look, with the, the three of us, you know, Laura and I have had fourth places. You've had your experience in Athens where, like I talked about in the introduction, where, you know, you're determined to finish. And I thought that was an outstanding story on its own. And then obviously your, your better half, Helen, um, going to three Olympics, 08, 12, and 16. And everything that she went through was, was quite extraordinary. And, um, you know, coming fifth, was it fifth in, in London? Yeah, with all the pressure she had and oh, the injuries yeah. she carried. And, and, and we often hear the stories of the Olympic champions and the medalists. Um, but the Olympics, it's so much about most people come home fairly disappointed. Um, yeah. it's statistically, when you talk about 10,000 athletes and the 200 medals that go out, most people are leaving pretty disappointed. Um, and, and I thought, well, we can have perspective from sort of every angle, um, here and, and talk about the race itself, but there are also the emotions that go with it. Um, but before we go deep into the show, I thought, what well, let's get to know you a little bit more, Mark. And, and so, Tell us, when did you sort of uh, get involved in triathlon? How old were you and where were you? Yeah, so, so maybe different from the Australian development process. Triathlon wasn't big in the 90s in, in Great Britain. We didn't really know what it was. So I was running around the beach doing surf lifesaving, doing a bit of swimming. And um, my, my buddies, when I was 16 years old, they were doing a bit of triathlon. So I thought, that looks pretty good. It was non-drafting back then primarily and Olympic distance is what we started doing. So, so I got involved probably back in the um, early 90s. Uh, loved it straight away and thought I'll give this a go for as long as I can and go as far as I can. So went to numerous world champs as a, as a junior and then did my first World Cup um, in Monaco, I think. So there was a half-decent Aussie athlete won that one. I think his name is Greg. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, I was inspired by the sport then and at, at 20 years old, so I'd love to give this a good go and see how, how far I can go in it. And it had just become an Olympic sport. So probably a pretty good time to get involved. Mm. Mm. I, I remember the Monaco for, for everybody was probably my first big breakthrough race, to be honest. And, and yes, I did get the win there. So that was a special one that you, you glanced over there. Um, but then when was it that you kind of realized, I mean, you had some ability because you went on to to win the Brit- British national championships a few times and qualify for the Olympic games. And, and, and I guess on that, you know, what did it mean to you 
being that this is an Olympic show, what did it mean to you to qualify for that 2004 Olympics? Yes. So for me, I I kind of, are you talented or aren't you talented? Do you you know what you have? You you never really know, do you, unless you retrospectively go over it and go, well, I was good at this and I wasn't good at that. I don't consider I was hugely talented. I had a very good work ethic and I I love training hard. So I love that process. Um, Yeah, I I won some races and uh, between 2000 and 2004, I think I was British champion twice. But the problem with my career, you know, Greg, and most people probably don't, is I've got some blood faults and some conditions which caused me to get dvts and pulmonary mm. embolism so with every good race i'd have and very good race you know in 2003 i think it was race british champs as an itu points race and tim don andrew johns paul amy richard allen there were multiple good athletes there. that was mm. a very very comfortable win for me uh, probably 30 odd 40 odd seconds i think i won by and then Four weeks later in European champs, I couldn't get out of my own way. And, and and throughout my career, there were these highs and these lows, which you kind of wouldn't expect if somebody's performing at a consistent level. Uh, and it turned out as getting blood clots and pulmonary and embolisms all the way through my career. So it was a bit disappointing retrospectively looking back, but I didn't know that at the time. And the objective is get to the Olympic Games. So when you talk about highs and lows of the Olympic Games, it, it's a bit of a process, isn't it? You, you compete on the world stage and do the best you can in those events. You're happy or not happy on a, any given day. But you get to the Olympics and you're very happy with that. So you have a period of 10, 12, whatever it may be, weeks being extremely happy, training for a games, and then you race the Olympics. And there's probably, in triathlon, in one event, one person really happy with the, the race, two people okay about it, <laughs> and everybody else is thinking, yeah, that sucks a little bit. Didn't get what I wanted, and yeah. home you go. It, 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 is, it is an incredible experience, and, and we always say, you know, we have a, a happy house because we both got fourth, and so we kind of go, okay, we're both, we're both just as miserable or happy. You know, that fourth is that lead medal where it's like, you know, I think both, and I, both Laura and I dealt with some injuries going in, and walked away with a fourth each and went it's kind of what we had yeah you know? everybody, everybody kind of has they give you what they or they you you're giving what you had on the day and mm-hmm. it's really those years leading in that all add up to that one day it's amazing how many can add up in, mm. you know your two-hour race but how long it takes to to build to that that one performance oh. yeah there's so many options of things that can go wrong and trying to get a hundred percent of whatever you have out of yourself. And I think that's one thing we did do. Maybe we came to the starting line at about 80%, but mm-hmm. we got a hundred percent of that. And I think that goes to show for your, your drive and your dedication to, um, performing no matter what the scenario is. Mm. And what's your perspective on that now? Like versus within 12 months of that fourth, you had a certain perspective on it. And how do you reflect on that now? Positively, not positively. And how did you reflect on it? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I think in the originally, um, you know, you think, oh, well, I could have done this or I could have done that. But then I guess now, now you look back and yeah, I guess you just kind of are a little bit more realistic probably about what you probably were really capable of doing at the time. And so when you're, you know, when you're, if you're right off the, the starting line or right off the finish line, you're like, oh, I could have done this. But I think in the races, we were always quite cognizant of, of what we could do on the day. So I think um, maximizing ourselves is definitely one thing we did with whatever we had. 
I, I, I think I think on that uh, at the time it was nice to make the Olympics, but I was you know you were kind of focused on trying to just be the best in the world and win everything you could. And I think almost now looking back, I, I, I'm more proud now of being an Olympian than I was at the time. At the time, it was about ticking a box, going, yeah, I'm meant to be an Olympian, blah, blah, blah. And then now I look back and go, actually, it was pretty awesome that I became an Olympic athlete. You know, and, and I think at the time, I just took it for granted that I agree. I don't, not for granted, because it certainly was stressful and everything else to make it. But now I'm actually look back and go, a fourth place at the Olympics, you can be, you can be proud of. And, you know, and would have a medal changed my life for the better? I don't know. And especially after interviewing, the Olympic champions of our sport last week, who I'm good mates with all of them. Um, it hasn't been all positive. A gold medal has its weight. You know, it's not all positive. There's a lot goes with it. I think Hamish put it once, it put it, he said, you know, you get that gold medal and then everybody expects that you're going to be great at everything else in your life. He's like, no, I was great at that thing. You know, and yeah, I think, that's a good point. you know, that's a really good point. so it's kind of, I think you got to kind of just, enjoy whatever you got from the Olympic games in itself. And, um, you know, your story, you know, tell us about that because you actually got a lot of media in its own way for coming last at the Olympics, but it was yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's not positive media though, right? That's not what you want. No, it is. <laughs> There's the human side to it. And it's like when Alistair Brownlee described carrying his brother across the line at the Cancun world championships. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. He got more media for that than he did his Olympic gold and his brother Olympic silver, which was done only a couple of weeks before. And my point is with that story is your story is similar in the sense that people love the human side and the suffering and the perseverance. And, I get that. Yeah. And that's yeah. what you have. So tell us, yeah. tell us your, your Olympic experience there with that. Yeah. And on, on the Alistair story for, for a second there, yeah, I think BBC said it was the biggest sporting short that they, they, they'd ever had just that video so it was huge um yeah yeah for me it was a a split second choice isn't it it's it's my olympic games is am i going to do another one turned out to be no do i want it to be a dnf or do i want to finish it there's not a lot of option here other than that so if i want to finish it then pick the bike up and run and and for unfortunately for me there was a camera right next to me that recorded the whole thing now (laughs) The, the the nicest thing for me would have been just pick your bike up, get to the finish line. Nobody know anything about it and let me carry on my life. But that's not what happened. The world knew about it and and I get it, the, the human side of it. And even to this day, like I met somebody locally a week or so ago uh, and they said, that's the best Olympic moment I've ever seen. We're so proud of you. And it's very nice that people say that, uh, very appreciative of it and I don't dismiss how, how it made them feel. But for me, I would have just rather come last without anybody knowing because that's what I did. And anyway, so yeah, so so it's a, it's almost bittersweet, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. you said, there, I'm more proud of being an Olympian now than I ever was. Um, certainly, Helen and I, we had a conversation before I came on here to chat to you guys again about Olympics and the fact we probably would say that we we didn't, we weren't successful at them. Mm. And then I, I said to Helen, well. If the objective is get the most out of yourself that you possibly can on that given day, we did. I mean, the, the fact that she had a massive spinal problem going into London and we didn't know at that time what it was, she did incredible on that day. Absolutely incredible mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. come fifth. So it was a success. Like the fact that she, she didn't win when that was the expectation that she was going to win. And there was yeah. no doubt about that. Um, but she did the best she could, given the hand she was dealt now 12 weeks earlier it was a different story laura you were racing her in san diego and 
And and up until that time, I think that was as good a women's performance as we'd seen. Helen was dominant swim, dominant bike, dominant run, and and then and then twelve weeks later, she, she was. I mean, she couldn't go for a run. She couldn't run. So, but we did the best we could, and fifth mm. was that on the day. So mm. there's nothing to be disappointed about. And and like you say, um, would would you change that? Would you change anything? Because if you change it, then maybe sliding doors scenario. You don't have Sydney. You don't have Archer. We don't have Max. We don't have Mali now. They're the most important things in the world to us, aren't they? So wouldn't wouldn't change the result of an Olympic Games for, for not having them. I mean, so you, you touched on that with, with Helen and, you know, you, you transitioned from being an athlete to a coach exceptionally well. Um, you know, Helen went on to win the 2008 World Championships leading into the Beijing Olympics. Um, and then she won the World Series. So she's won both world titles, one in a series and one on the one day, which is I think Javier Gomez senior. is the only one. And maybe Emma Moffat. I don't know if there's three. But, yeah. um, but, but quite exceptional to be able to do both. Then, like you just said, Helen going into the 2012 Olympics, home games in pressure. London, all the pressure, um, and then having to hide the fact that she had this injury, wasn't running, but the world still had this expectation she was going to win because she'd been she had been winning, and um, you know the, the emotions coming out of that. It's like you said, I mean, the initial emo- emotions. What was that like for you guys, coach athlete relationship, husband wife coming out of London, especially? Um, how did you handle it, and what was that experience like? Well, to talk talk through the the process, so. So for me, sport ended quite quickly with the, the PEs and DVTs. And mm. it was ne- never an option for, for me to coach Helen. She was being coached at that time and she was improving. But then bureaucracy in sport being what it is put us in a between a rock and a hard place. And we had no choice. So we made a decision that we'll work together. And if we succeed, then we thank ourselves. But if we fail, we have nobody to blame. And, and, and that was the main point, that if we fail, we have nobody else to blame but ourselves. And that was late 2007, and she hadn't trained probably consistently for 12 months. It was probably the start of the back presenting as a problem, but we weren't aware then. You guys know how it is with injury. Something hurts, will you treat it locally? You assume, got bad knee, it's my knee. Um, but it's not always the, the, the cause of the problem. Um, yes, so we started working together in 2007, and in 2008, she was world champion and, and, and the first pick for the for the British Olympic team. But 2008 was never going to be a successful Olympics for her because she'd started racing in January and uh, she qualified for the qualification for the qualification of the Olympic Games. It was just a, rid- <laughs> it was a ridiculous process. And um, then on to the London Olympics question and how did we deal with that? Well, post-Sydney and post-San Diego, yeah, Helen was favourite, but going into Sydney, she'd been having these massive quad and leg spasms and... Even in Sydney, I think she probably talked a little bit about it. She was racing the Sydney World Series there, and about 8K into the run, her legs just started spasming, and she had to shut it down. She had to stop and just get to the finish line. And um, our physio traveled to San Diego with us then for a camp pre that race, and he did a fantastic job, just kept her moving, kept her going forward, and she got everything out in San Diego. And then within a week of that race, um, yeah, she couldn't walk, and, and, and then that represented a really tough time. You're the favorite of the Olympic Games, home Olympics. You've got lots of sponsors. You're being put in front of them all in this 12 weeks. Everybody's asking you, how are you doing? I'm doing great. 
I'm fantastic, thanks. While every night I cry myself to sleep and I can't walk. I mean, that sucks. You're just lying to everybody. And uh, then short term into the Olympic Games, the few days into that, I mean, she went for a run around Hyde Park and just couldn't run, just didn't do it, just couldn't run. And then morning of the race, she's um, taking Dick Lefenac, not orally, but the other way, which you don't really want them, to get to just get to the race, just uh, just to toe the start line. So so just come away with fifth on that day. You're like, okay, that's Amazing. great. It's a great performance. Mm. It, it, you know, I've had numerous guests on the show, uh, British athletes, Alistair Brownlee, Johnny Brownlee, and Vicky Holland, and all of them have praised Helen um, on their episodes on this show, just saying they think they knew what she was going through um, to some degree, maybe not all of it, but they knew a fair bit. And they have all said individually that they thought that was one of the greatest performances they've ever seen for an athlete to rise and still be a player, even though they knew she hadn't run and was in agony doing it. Um, so, yeah, and that, you know, and, that, and that means a lot, you know, people who respect and the peers you look up to who've had fantastic careers, been world champions, uh, Vicky, Alistair, uh, Johnny, I mean, those guys are the the sport, aren't they? They've, they've made this last 12 years for them to say kind things and they were aware of it, probably not as not as bad as it was the you know she cried herself to sleep pretty much every night for that whole 12 weeks it's not something you look back on fondly but you go wow how 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 character building is that and if you get through that you can get through anything but, you know you've got to be pretty durable in life and sport haven't you and and that's what this teaches us mm, Absolutely. Mm. and then coming out of that then did were you able to appreciate it at that moment that a fifth was out outstanding and celebrate that within yourselves or was it was there kind of like we were hoping for more even though um, the, the, it, it was just relief. It was over. It was mm. like, thank God for that. That sucked. So mm. just, just shut the door on that. And, and then it was a rebuild. Like, mm. how do we get through this? And British triathlon post 2012 was fantastic. We had a great performance director, great team around us. Uh, and we spent time with both um, sport and clinical psychologists just to, how are you going to get over this? And, and, and it all really helped. It's great that level yeah. of support. Yeah, yeah well, I agree. I, th- I think that makes a difference, doesn't it, guys? You know that. I think if you if you put a good team around you, yes, uh, and you guys did similarly. You wanted a good team around you, and I think you've mentioned Jan previously, Greg, that you look up to him because he's one of the most professional people out there. And we were in that four years London to Rio. The only w- reason Helen got there was because of a fantastic professional team quick mini break to remind you of the show's incredible partners you can get 10 percent off all hyperice products using the exclusive greg bennett show discount code greg21 at checkout go to hyperice.com and use code greg21 a quick reminder to do yourself a favor and sign up to athletic greens athletic greens also makes a great gift for any family member or friend so sign up now and get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase by visiting athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. If you want to see all your key metrics like pace, distance, stroke rate, and heart rate while you swim, you need the Form Smart Swim Goggles. Go to formswim.com forward slash Greg. That's formswim.com forward slash Greg and get $15 off or you can use code GREG2021 at checkout. I've always been impressed with, with the British team. Um, and, and what I mean by that, not just the athletes, I always felt like this, 
going into London, coming out of it, the, the British with the Brownleys and, and with Helen and, and Vicky and on Stanford, and there's a bunch of athletes, but the team in the background, um, I thought they were the next level. I think, you know, when I look at the US and Australians, they had great teams, but I think the British still were, were the pinnacle of what it took to make to get an athlete onto the start line and have them perform. Um, so kudos to the, to the Brits for that. And what I want to do now is um, really dissect what we've just witnessed, the Tokyo Olympic Games, um, the men's and the women's race. And I thought let's start with the men just because they were the first race. Um, initial thoughts, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she loves when I do that. To her. <laughs> Put it, throw her under the bus, GB. Come on, Laura. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I know. Well, again, great racing. I mean, the, the guys, it's a little disappointing to see that race start where the boat was in the way. I'm not sure what happened there. And Jesus, what did happen there? I don't know. <laughs> you, you know I you, you spend, you, yeah, you spend four years with the organizers get, trying to get this right, and then you go to the I Olympics. Don't. It's mm. not. He's in the middle of the race. Course. You know what I feel in Japanese culture too. I feel for that driver. <laughs> yeah. They're so hard on themselves, and, and it's an honest mistake from from the driver or whatever or the happens. Starter. Um, the starter, yeah, yeah. the starter. But on that, on that, can I say something? Like my 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 brother reached out and said, "What do you think? You know, there's been a the false start and the the poor athletes that, that swam." And I said, "Actually, I think the one because half for people that didn't see it, half the pontoon." started the race and the other half couldn't start because there was a huge boat in their way. But I feel like the half that got to start got a bonus because if you had a good start, you're coming back going, okay, I'm on. That was a good start. And if you had a bad start, you're like, no worries. I get a second go at it. Right. And you got to warm up and get that initial. And they took five minutes to swim back. So all of them would have been completely recovered. I don't care what you say. These guys, 45 second all out effort would not have hurt them. And I actually think it could have hurt. What do you think? You guys think the same? No, I, 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 mate, do you know what? You and I really disagree, but I'm disagreeing with you, my friend. Disagree. Uh, Yeah. I I think that that initial 45 seconds a minute would have cost some of the athletes more than, than you think. And, you know, they would, they would have gone. It's it's one of the most anaerobic parts of the race, isn't it? You dive in, you slam yourself for 30, 40, 50 seconds. And like you said there, Somebody might have been in a good spot and they've gone, yeah, I'm on. And then the next time they started, they might have sucked. And then that's not – I don't know. So, so it, yeah, probably didn't affect, didn't affect them too much for the most part, but somebody was probably pissed off somewhere and, and I might have been a bit upset. Yeah, I think uh, you'd be in the zone. When that gun goes off, you're in the zone and then you got to come back out of the zone and then you got to go back into the yeah, zone. Yeah, but the champions can re-trigger. No, true, they, they, true. They, got, they got many bullets in the cartridge. They, they can yeah. fire them more. And, and I, I actually think that they were so fit. There's no way that yeah. that would. That's true. I mean, and if it did affect you, you shouldn't have been there anyway. And it I mean, wasn't yeah, cool. You're so was- hard, Greg. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just think they're the greatest athletes in the world yeah. and they're so fit that I – and, they, yeah. and I would have just said, look, if it was me, oh. I would have taken five to 10 minutes to swim back so slow and make everybody wait. I know that's probably poor sportsmanship, but honestly, if they've screwed up, oh. I would have taken my time to get back. And they did. The best ones did, you know, they, they really did. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Start, yeah, they got it going again a few minutes later. Um, the swim was a little bit uneventful. What do you guys think? It was kind of one long train for the men. Yeah what it was and one of the one of the people affected the most was christian christian went out pr- hard in that first 45 seconds and he, he he on the pontoon he looked like he'd given it a bit and he got quite, 
<laughs> so, so you're right. The, the the best athletes have got lots of bullets in their gun, mate. And and he kept he kept firing all day. That guy did. He was. But uh, he yeah. always looks like he's yeah. given it a bit. Yeah. Christian has it in his face where he looks yeah. like he's giving it his all all the time. Even when he's just standing on the pontoon ready to start, he looks like he's worn out. <laughs> yeah. Well, can we, can we put a finish line as a brick wall when Christian's winning one day? He'll just run straight through it, that guy. Won't he? <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. I know he's built like a rugby player, but his yeah. VO2 max, that engine that he's got in there, when we discussed it on the show, and he says he's been measured at 91, but he, I think it's even higher or something. But because they, they get measured so often, mm-hmm. um, I think they know how to work those VO2 max. Well, Gustav Eden, when he came on the show, his Norwegian teammate said, um, yeah, we, we kind of know how to work the VO2 max to get yeah. higher scores. So, but still, incredible. Okay, so let's move on. The train comes out. The swim, it's a long train. Um, Vincent Lewis, right, well positioned. There's the breaks happen in transition, which I thought was incredible. When I watched that lead group with Vincent Lewis and Johnny Brownlee and oh, Henry Schumann, there, there was quite a few in there. I thought the one thing that that lead group was missing was Alistair Brownlee because they'd opened the gap, but they just couldn't snap it. I mean, they still had Christian Blumenfeld and others chasing. But I felt like there was an Alistair Brownlee missing in that little league group. What do you guys think? Laura? No. You- <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when you do have that one person that's extremely motivated and then you have a few others that are very motivated, it's a huge asset to have because the turns will be a lot quicker. They'll Everybody knows exactly what they're supposed to be doing and – I guess it almost shows up more when you don't have that and you can see the second pack just not pulling it together and, you know, people missing turns. But when you have that one driver and, you know, Alistair's set of precedence for any time he's in the race, it's going to look like that. And yeah. I think it's where it's, it's inspiring. Like as, as an athlete, I would think, okay, I know somebody else is going to kill themselves to try to get to the finish line first and drive this pack and I'm going to do everything I can to be a part of that. Yeah. So I think that's a huge missing piece in that front pack for these guys. Mm. That's what it was, wasn't it? It's missing the leader. It's missing the general there to say, right guys, we're doing this and we're staying away. And and you pan back to the chase pack. And and, and I think it was Christian you saw on the front. It was certainly Mm. one of the Norwegians. You see them just perched on the front on their tri bars, dragging that pack forward. And it's pretty close at that point, but it's still within the, the break is still there to go if, if there's enough firepower at the front. And it, and it did look like that's what was missing, was somebody to say, we're doing this today, guys, and I'm going to lead it. I'm going to lead you all through this race. And um, I think that's what Alistair Desmond is in a race. He, he takes control. He's the general in there. Mm. But I think that's – you talk about being a general. Well, I think Christian Blumenfeld was the general of that chase pack. And the, the, the three that I noticed on that chase pack, and this is just TV, so we might have missed some, but I noticed that it was Hayden Wilde, Alex Yee and Christian Blumenfeld, I saw at the front of that chase pack. Now, Christian, for the most part, for sure. But I did see the other podium medalists also doing a bunch of work in that chase group to make sure they got to the front. And and it's funny how hard you're willing to work when you have an outstanding run leg. When you know you can run, you're like, okay, I've got to be able to show it. Um, and so I was, I was super impressed with all of them. And, and then, you know, once that pack all came back together, it was like an accordion, wasn't it? It was, they were together in the swim, broke apart after transition, came back together again. Um, the pace still was on. I don't feel like they, they backed off too much, but, uh, all the way into transition, we then went straight to the run. Um, yeah. 
what impressed you most about that, Jinxie, the next part of the race? Well, I think the damage was done on the bike, wasn't it? You had all the guys working. They, they certainly were contributing. There was a big, a, 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 a lot of pressure coming from behind from Alex and Hayden. Everybody worked. I, I think Christian probably was driving it. He was the general, like you said, Greg. Um, but I think that's what made the race. So, so that they get to the run then. And they've ridden hard for, for whatever whatever amount of period it would have been, 15K, 20K, but they kept the pressure on for the 40K. Yeah. And, and that's what favoured Christian. That That's how Christian won the races. Everybody's tired. Everybody's hurting. He's the strongest guy in that race. Now, now if, if they'd backed off and if the weather had been worse, maybe, if there'd been more rain on the course, and it had become more of a procession, I think the result could have been different. But, <coughs> excuse me, it was, um, it was a hard, hard 40K bike ride. And, christian off a hard 40k bike ride he, he he's just strong and and you know i don't think he looked so good early i don't know about you guys i, th- I thought he was maybe yeah. under a bit of pressure from alex in that first certainly three 4k but then uh, i don't know if it's been timed what was that last k he ran it looked oh, incredible I, I i'm actually i'm interviewing him later today and, and i'm curious to know what that last k was but yeah. like you said i think um looking at the run and, and with alex Yee, Showing his cards at Leeds WTS, um, he he won that race just 30, 40 seconds up the road from second place. I mean, it was one of the all-time runs I think we've seen in the sport. And and for people that don't know, Alex Yee is a, one of the greatest British 10K runners in the, at the yeah. moment. And uh, so we got to see And so I think it was amazing how they all latched on to him and just, I mean, Hayden Wilde just focused on Alex Yee's back. He did not let it go. It was an incredible to watch these two young guys. You know, they're incredibly young, young 20s. And, uh, and, and to watch Hayden just focus on Alex in that first lap out and all of them just getting strung out. And we, we had a pack of 20, then it was 15, then it was 10, you know, and it just gradually dwindled and they all just hung and hung and hung. And, it, and you could see it was like whoever can hang on the longest is going to give them the best best shot. And then we had uh, Connix from France. We had uh, 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 Sudan from from uh, Switzerland. And, and uh, oh, sorry, not student, uh, Studer. And, uh, and then we had Johnny Brownlee and Christian Blumenfeld. And they all managed to keep hanging on there. But by the time we got to that sort of last lap and Hayden Wild, Alex Yee, Christian Blumenfeld still hanging there, I was still thinking Alex Yee for the win. Were you, were you predicting that still? No, I thought, I, th- I thought Christian looked good at that stage. Uh, I mean, Alex, yeah. looked, Alex looked good too. But but Christian just looked strong and and, and pretty comfortable. The, the early stages, yeah, I'm thinking Alex, and then the latter stages, thinking maybe not so much now. Um, but mm-hmm. but uh, who who had good races there? John John Johnny Brownlee had a fantastic race. If you think oh, what, what he's Absolutely. done for, for a career, like 10, oh. 12, 12 years at the top of our sport, uh, and has he prepared well? He probably is prepared fantastically for that, and he was close and like. It's sliding doors. If the race, if somebody else had been in the race, would it have been different? He was there. He was fit. He was in great shape. And the other person I want to mention, I don't know what you thought about him, was Kevin McDowell. He, he's, oh my god! Yeah, he's great, mate. What's the next four years going to be like for him? I think I think that was in terms of standout performances. I mean, yeah. obviously the podium, obviously the podium. They just absolutely all of the, you know Christian, um, Alex Yee, and Hayden Wild brilliant all-round performance but that one kevin mcdowell mate 
in terms of stepping up on the big stage on the one day to come in sixth, um, just a big surprise, but a big, big performance. So huge shout out to him. You mentioned yeah. Johnny Brownlee with his fifth, um, you know, and he's had a second and a third. So incredible roundup. Martin Van Riel, we can't not talk about the Belgium athletes. I mean, coming in fourth was absolutely outstanding, but but you did mention Kevin McDowell. And I think that was probably out of all those names I just mentioned was the one that probably surprised a lot of us. Um, exactly. Yeah. From, from where he's come from, isn't it? His, his story as well. There, there's a story there. There's a person, there's a, there's, there's a human who's ha- had challenges up to this point in time and he, he's, he's over it and he, he's probably a big character and he's gone and come sixth on the biggest day of, of his career. And it wasn't yeah. expected. Like the, all the other results, you can look at these guys and they've shown that, that they're c- capable of this. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin, not to take anything away from, this is fantastic. And, it's the standout performance. I agree. I agree. Now, I, okay, on that, we're talking about some standout performances. Are there any that you were kind of a bit like, oh, that was a bit unexpected, a bit disappointed? No, well, look, look uh, uh, Vincent Louis, unfortunate for him, like he didn't get to Leeds. And as soon as we saw Leeds, we're thinking, ah, oh, Helen, London. There's something wrong. Yeah, yeah. what's going on? And, and he, yeah, he's, I, he's, he's a phenomenal athlete. And I, I wanted to see him do well, just because you want to see the people who have told that start line year after year, week after week, and performed. And he's performed. He, he, he's probably the out-and-out performer over the last four years. So I wanted to see something special from him. And I, I guess that there was something wrong. I don't know who he And his social media, yet. he seemed to be a bit quiet this last yeah. eight to 12 weeks. And there's a confidence that goes – I mentioned that to Laura before mm-hmm. the game. I said, I don't, I don't know. I haven't talked to Vincent um, what was going on. But when an athlete kind of goes very quiet, you can kind of think, oh, yeah, maybe they're really focused. And I'm like, yeah, there's a confidence in an athlete. If things are going well, they tend to do a, a post that says, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Vincent had gone a little quiet. He didn't race leads. There was just too many things stacking up that I thought, mm, it's not right. You know, there's something not right. And uh, so I felt for him well uh, as well. He was one that I think, yeah, you, you want to see the favorite have a great performance. He doesn't have to win, but you want to be able to see them at least have a performance. And, you know, for him to come 13th was... Uh, yeah. I it's, actually... It's, yeah, he probably had a good performance for what he had, they, um, but I don't know what, what that was. I also think the um, the Spanish team, um, I, I thought the Spaniards might be well and truly up there. And to me, the whole team looked a little flat. They were all, you know, back in the 40th out of the water, including Javier Gomez, which... You know, and I've talked to Javier post-race and, and he just said, yeah, Greg, you called it. I was just flat. He just said, I couldn't get out of my own way. And uh, he was dealing with a bit of an ear infection for a few days before. Oh, no, no. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. A bit disappointing in, for them. I mean, I'm not judging them in a bad way. <laughs> um, yeah. and, then, and then I would also say the Australians. I, I think, you know, I was hoping Jake Burt Whistle would, you know, be up there in, in that run. But he, he too just looked just a little bit flat and didn't have that extra gear in, um, in that first 5K of the run leg and, and he dropped off reasonably quick and, and finished up 16th. Uh, yeah, I don't, his- think, hmm, I don't think that's surprising either though. You, you take it from Vincent Louis is 13th. You just want them to have had good prep. Like be able yeah. to deliver what you can and and yeah, he probably just didn't have the opportunity to do that. So that's that sucks a little bit for him and and then the Australian team and, and, and the Spanish team a little bit flat. Like if Javier had a year infection, those 
I had an in mm. and outer after surfing in San Diego, and that killed me. Like so, oh, yeah. th- those infections. I think yeah, you're not going to have a great day if you've got a ear infection going on. So that's a shame for them. And that guy's been a legend of the sport too, hasn't he? Oh. So so. Well, that's what I wrote him. I said, honestly, Javier, even if you'd won a gold medal, mate, it really doesn't change my perception of you no. as one of the all-time greatest <laughs> of our sport anyway. I mean, you know, the guy's won more races than anybody, anybody. And, and you can argue, mate, the guy races far more than anybody and he wins a lot. Um, and, and so, yeah, that was his last farewell. You know, he's 39 um, and I think he's going to focus on some Ironman racing and thing. I think also for – I felt for Tyler Mislachuk that the weather wasn't hotter. It was only – in the mid twenties, it was humid, but I think for him to be successful for the Canadians, I think he needed it to be like it was for the test event two years ago, where it was, you know, almost high nineties, hundred degree Fahrenheit or, you know, mid thirties. And, uh, he didn't get that weather. I think Tyler is an exceptional hot racer and he, he didn't get that weather. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty good dissection of the men's race. I don't think we've missed yeah. any anything terribly no, that, i think the only thing you, you said was australia what happened there i i think this this thing that's been going on around the world called covid right and that kept them in australia they i think they chose to stay there base themselves there and not expose themselves to much or if any other racing that was out there i don't yeah. know the, i don't know that you can go to an olympic games and do that like who made that decision who said stay at home who, who said you know this is the best prep we can do because it clearly wasn't and, well, and I don't it, know if they had much chance, choice. I mean, uh, Jake, when I had him on the show, he was trying to get out. I don't think Australians weren't – it wasn't easy for them to leave. Um, so I, in fairness to the – and I did write the um, high-performance director and, and Miles Stewart, the CEO, so uh, those guys, and say, you know, you could tell the Australians were flat because they hadn't raced. And you look at Christian Blumenfeld with his win, well, the guy's been racing and he's been racing everything he can. And I remember – Everybody's saying, you know, Christian won in Yokohama WTS and then he won a World Cup the, the following week and everyone's like, oh, he's peaking too soon, he's peaking too soon and he turns up to Leeds and I'm forgetting what he was in Leeds. I think he was still top 10, still a reasonable result, top five even. Um, and everyone's like, oh, he's peaked too early. But then he's come back and got himself ready for the games. But got all those races under his belt. You know, yeah. you need to race. You mm-hmm. have to race and there you um, go i think i think the thing with covid greg at the 2021 olympics and it, if that is the case australia was struggling the athletes couldn't leave the country that's not a level playing field those guys had a massive disadvantage you, you've not been able to leave the country you've not been able to race you've not been able to practice trade how the hell are you going to stand on an olympic start line the most pressurized event in five years now and deliver you just can't without that yeah. exposure and if they've been stuck at home, it's just, it's just, yeah, not fair. But it is what it is, isn't it? So, it, w- w- well put, well put. Um, and and the good news for everybody that did have flat races for a lot of them, it's only three years to the next Olympics. Yeah, it's right like, corner. It's, it's basically here. You yeah. have the rest of this year kind of off, and then suddenly you're into oh, I've only got two years of racing, and then boom, we're there. Um, well, Olympic Olympic qualification starts next year, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it happens. Here yeah. we go, and and I think that's the the positive for some of the athletes that either didn't make this Olympics or had flat races, and you know their preparation wasn't ideal. Okay, let's move on to the women, you guys. Um, Laura's back. She did leave us for a moment. We had our three year old come down and say good morning. So welcome <laughs> back, Laura. Good uh, and good morning, snake bite daughter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, the women's race. I couldn't, you know, wet. Firstly, a wet race delayed so both races ended up being delayed the men through a false start having a boat in the way the women's because of 
you know, the weather. Uh, they weren't sure of the cyclonic conditions coming through and uh, the winds and the rain. And so they delayed it probably 15, 20 minutes. Um, how did that affect the mindset you think of the women's race? Well, I think that they would have. Yeah, what do you think? Do you no, go on, Laura. No, yeah, I think that they would have. Um, well, I think one main thing is all those white lines on the bike. You don't want a wet race when there's um, people crossings. You know, they're so slippery. And, you know, watching the race, it looks like they managed them very well. But I can imagine, you know, in your race prep and thinking about really taking advantage of all those corners because I think you can do a lot with a bike group that's well functioning, um, and a, and a very technical race. And I can imagine they were thinking, Oh my goodness. Okay. So now we're going to have to be a little bit hesitant on the bike. And even that mindset of going, mm, now we got to back off a little bit instead of, okay, let's just absolutely smash this race and make sure everybody's on the rivet. And so I think it would have just put a little, everybody on the back step, maybe just a little bit. But mm. yeah, maybe not Flora. I, I, no. yeah, I think, I think the, the worse it is, the better for her. She seems to be able to do whatever it is. Well, I think for her, I think she definitely would have thought this is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I, for Katie Seferas, who's had a little bit of trouble on that course, even and doesn't has obviously improved her bike skills, but had that would probably one of her slight weaknesses in the past was probably thinking, oh no, you know. Well, or, that's it. Can I touch on that? Kate, yeah, Katie Seferas. For those that don't know it, the trial event two years ago had a nasty crash on the same course. Mm-hmm. Had, and I had her on the show. She talked about it. She she lost her bottom lip. They had twenty one stitches to reattach her lip. Wow! Think about that. And then you got to go back to the same course this time in the wet, yeah. with the pressure of the Olympic Games. So you wake up race morning. Katie Zafiris. I know. I mean, she is my almost uh, and Flora's performance. I think is one of the greatest triathlon performances I've ever ever seen. Hundred percent. And Georgia Taylor Brown, her performance having a puncture. We can go into it a bit more, but puncture at the end of the bike, but still having that outstanding run um, to run up into second. But I just want to touch on Katie because that's who we're talking about. Absolutely. I thought, and I even kind of said something to Laura race morning, looking at the race. I said, ah. Oh, Poor Katie. And I said, I don't know how she's going to do this today. And then I saw her stick to that front group like glue and she took plenty of turns at the front and cornered. It was just like one of those where she stepped up. Yeah, she found she found something on the bike. And uh, one of the, I think one of the performances of all of the triathlon events we saw because I myself, and I feel bad for it, was kind of almost writing her off going, oh, these are not the conditions for Katie. Were you guys the same? <laughs> Uh, it was even the pressure. I think the pressure for Katie with with the selection uh, politics going into it. She was one of the most pressurized athletes going into that race, and she hadn't been performing as well as she had in the past. <coughs> Excuse me, maybe. And uh, what the, the the if she had a weakness on the bike of the technical stuff, she was awesome. She rode fantastically. Flora is a weapon on the bike. I think oh, yeah. in in the Olympic Games that yeah. we saw the rain. Katie drove that bike ride. She hammered. She was great. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So kudos to Katie. Um, absolutely outstanding. And the as, American team. As in, her, as in her own words, she said that basically she is the happiest third place finisher ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just all the drama she had to go through, all the demons she had to, you know, quiet as yeah. far as. She know, lost her father in, in April uh, suddenly. And so, you know, who she was very close to, she was left on the waiting to find out if she was going to be selected for the team. She was the world champion of 2019. And actually not only that, she'd gone fifth, fourth, third, second, first 
for that World Series. <laughs> Absolutely. Sweat it. Um, and then they made her sweat it. And, and, and then to – yeah, I just – it's a great story. She, she's grown a lot in this yeah, last yeah. – yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, 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 yeah, you go through that podium, don't you? Pick out that they've all had great performances, great results from Georgia and the puncher running back oh. into it. Fl- Flora, I agree with you, Greg. Uh, n- name a better performance swim bike run. Uh, I, I don't know that you can. You may be looking back to the days of Loretta and stuff like that to, to pick out. I don't out. know that you yeah. can. I, I mean, I Flora Duffy, that race, fifth or sixth out of the water with, with Jessica Learmont leading that swim, which – they are swimming fast. Well, 30 I mean, seconds slower than the guys, wasn't it? 30, yeah. 30, 30 seconds slower than Christian. Is what and Christian. They, they were about a, wow. uh, almost a minute behind yeah. Vincent Lewis in the, in the lip. But still, outstanding swim, outstanding bike in the wet because, generally speaking, the men and women are usually about six minutes difference on the bike. That tends to be, in a draft legal race, it tends to be about right. They were six-minute difference, but the women had wet roads. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so we're looking at an outstanding bike um, because also with that, when you come around wet corners, you're coming to a much slower standstill and having to ignite your speed again. So you you you, you zero to 600 watts or whatever they're pushing out of the corners every single time is far more damaging to the legs on a wet race. Then Flora Duffy has run a 33-minute flat 10 kilometers with – and understand this is not a fast 10K because of the dead U-turns in the run again. There are two U-turns that they had to do plus other corners. But the U-turns, I don't know about you guys, but I always accounted a U-turn in a run to be about, about three. You lose about three seconds and you lose your momentum. So when you take into effect all those dead U-turns that Flora had to run, to run a 33-minute flat 10K, I don't know what that is in real time. <laughs> you know, if we said it was a fast 10K, of course, what that would be like. I just... I mean, she went through that first two and a half kilometers, I think they said on the announcing, and I could be wrong, um, around about 7.35 for the first lap for two and a half kilometers. So that's right on three-minute K pace. So we're looking at 30, 30 minutes for the 10K for that first lap. So when you see Katie Zafiris trying to run with her for the first three minutes, understand that they how fast they were going. Yeah, you've got your all-round best performance ever, haven't you? Yeah. Categorically, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I just – and she looked – comfortable it was interesting because when she went when flora left boulder here we were getting to chat to her at the pool and you know when there's a confidence a self-belief as alistair brownlee would put it and more than a confidence it was a self-belief in her eyes she was relaxed and focused and i don't bet I, i'm not a gambler but i went on to FanDuel, a betting site over here in the u.s and they had her at six to one odds for the gold medal and i said to laura Great. That's ridiculously good odds. I'm taking it. So I put $20 on it. Oh, Greg, I thought you were going to say you put 10 grand on it. You are oh, a gambler. I, I, was, <laughs> I was, even at $20, this is how tight I am. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, on, on my little gambling mode, I, I had $20 on Flora for the win and I had $10 on Hayden Wild for the podium. So I had a ah, – did it right? And he, and he paid 12 to 1 odds for the, for the podium. So we had a nice little – I said to Laura, it's not gambling if you know you're going to win. Of course. <laughs> quote the movie, everybody. Quote the movie. Can I you remember? I don't know the movie. What is it? Laura, you remember the movie? Where's that from? It's not gambling if you know you're going to win. I know, I know. Um, I just can't remember it right now off the top of my head. <laughs> I'm going to leave see, it. With... I can actually see <laughs> the scene. They're um, in Vegas. Yeah. It's all the boys. They have their bachelor party in Vegas. Uh, anyway. Is it the hangover then? 
It is. That's it. That's it. Well done, Jinx. Anyway, we're going off track here. Um, the women's race. So yeah, yeah. the difference with the women's race and the men's race was really that the breaks happened in the swim. They stayed that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the the small group of women got away in the lead group. Some of the women did drop off. I was surprised. You know, Summer Rappaport drop off on a straight line, which surprised me. It wasn't a corner where I saw her drop. Um, but I think she was at the back of the pack and the legs just got worn out. You can't sit at the back of the pack with that many turns. You've got to move yourself forward. and Especially with athletes like Katie and, oh, and Flora. You can't fun. stay at the back. But the, the no. good thing for Summer is that's easily improvable. She'll Absolutely. get so much Absolutely. better. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think work with whoever's been helping Katie with the cornering and uh, yeah. and, and get see if you can you – know, because that, being at the back, Summer's legs just had to be worn out after yeah. kind of sprint yeah. back on that many times. Lopez also fell off. Uh, Lindemann from Germany did outstanding, staying on um, and, and, you know, still held on for, for an eighth place um, and I thought she, she did very well. Um, but in terms of the races, they were very different to men and women because we did have the, the groups. The one standout athlete to you, Laura, who, who, do, who do you think when we, we've talked about, you know, the, the podium, but was there anybody else that stand out to you? Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of feel a little bit for Nicola not having anybody in that second pack to really drive it and, Mm. and create an opportunity for her to try and run herself onto the podium. Mm. I mean, that's sometimes the luck of the draw of who you get in your pack. And I mean, her attitude since ever is always, I am going to do everything I can to make something happen. And yeah, I, I just don't think she had, you know, the girl in the the leg power from those girls to, to make, to make that gap a little bit closer to have better opportunity for a run. And then, you know, you see the results and a couple of the girls from that pack outran her and you know, Nicola probably did 90% of the work up there. And that's a little disappointing for her, but you know what? She's easily the most decorated mm-hmm. tra- female triathlete in our sport and the Olympics. Yeah. For, and for the Olympics. And, um, you know, she's had an amazing career. There's nothing. You well, know, she's had two sixths a gold and a silver, and I don't know what she had in, God, where are we going back to? This was a fifth Olympics. Yeah, amazing. Um, Oh, four? Uh, Athens, yeah. Yeah, she did Athens with us, Jinxie. I I know. You were there, there, Greg. Fancy doing a triathlon now? My body doesn't like it anymore. She's still young. I don't even think she's And she didn't just do it. I mean, she's got three kids, Yeah. by the way. I mean, Nicholas Spierig, I think, was absolutely hats off to her. Um, Talk about a team effort too, you know. Yeah, with her coaching and coaching her uh, and, and her yeah. husband, Rido, yeah. who we both raced. Yeah. Rido well, Hook, who, you've yeah. got your two generals, haven't you, in the race there? You had you, well, even three. I think Flo- Flora and Jess, they change a race. Flora, stick Flora and Jess in the race is different. And mm-hmm. then you stick Nicola in there, it's going to be different. So you've got your three generals, kind of two working with each other and one kind of working against those two. The odds mm. aren't in your favor, are they, for Nicola? And and, mm. and she looked fit. She looked so fit. Oh. And, and similarly, going into it, we'd said, Flora looks fantastic. I don't think anybody can beat her. Similarly, we said, Nicola looks as good as she's ever looked. And she's got, she's got three kids. She's the thick end of 30, and this girl's awesome. And, and a different day, a different day would have been a different result because she was phenomenal. And and it's a little bit disappointing, isn't it, that that yeah. people on the bike with her then decide to go and you know beat her on the run. Well, if you all yeah. work together, girls, Nicola, because Nicola did what would you say as a percentage, maybe eighty percent of that bike. She just sits there. I don't need any help. None of you are going to contribute. I'm going to ride. And sure, there probably was some contribution from a number of good athletes in there. 
but the majority was Nicola. And um, I, I would just have to say that I saw. A, what are you guys thought on this? And this is a bit of a. We'll see where it goes. I, I saw somebody say we got to get the motos off the front of the lead group, the motorbikes off the front of the lead group. Yeah, They're disrupting yeah. the race. Yeah, well, what you are you going to do? This is the race. Yeah. What are you going to do? It's the race. Do you think the the um, lead group did get a motorbike though? Would, I mean, I would, 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 have, would it have changed the result, mate? Look, well, I think I think I think that's from a a, a, Nicola, a Nicola support group that basically saying, look, you got you got one woman in the charging down from the, the 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 chase and then you've got a lead pack up front and perhaps and i don't know everybody i'm just throwing this out for conversation's sake perhaps they had a motorbike in front of them um and i did see one picture that somebody showed on twitter or whatever is you know with the motorbike right in front of the lead group it's, it's racing buddy you've been in hundreds Did, of them, you them motorbikes on the course though no i, I no uh, look uh, I, I don't think we should get rid of them but but the, the conversation's been there for 25 years buddy you, you know that let's have more educated bike riders maybe that that know where they should be bring them from the tour did did the did the bike motorbike affect the race in a way that would change the result no did the motorbike affect the race yes probably i think it it was a bit close at some stages and it gave them something to chase you could see the the lead athletes zigzagging over the road to get behind that bike now if you see them doing that you know they're getting some kind of advantage from it otherwise they're not going to be changing their line all the time um mm-hmm. but but i don't think it would have changed the race i think the guys were calculated enough at the front they knew how much time they had if they needed more time i think they'd have ridden harder um mm-hmm. but i don't think they needed it and you saw that in the last lap of the bike right i think they lost 10 10 14 15 yeah. seconds in the last lap of the bike well they're not losing that time unless they're pretty comfortable they've done all they need to do mm-hmm. yeah. no I, I agree with that yeah. and and look i think it is a conversation of how can we get great tv shots without having motorbikes on the course i think it, we we have to keep figuring out how to do that as somebody that was always trying to chase league groups down it was one of the things that infuriated me whether it be non-drafting or draft legal races having lead cars or lead motorbikes on the course did disrupt and affect results and um like you said it may not have affected the overall results of this race but uh, it has done in the past and it so, is something that we so need you've, to continue. you've been non-committal there mate did, what what was did it affect it or didn't it affect it bennett me do i think i i think flora duffy was going to win no matter what i think georgia taylor brown was going to get second and i think katie i don't think the podium would have changed um i think we could have got a closer better race uh, with nicholas Birig and the chasing runners um I think had it affected the women's race, we would have seen that lead group in the men's race stay away. Do you know what I mean? Like the men's race, that lead group out of transition, they ended up getting caught. If the moto, because it would have been the same motorbike driver, it had the moto been in the front of the men's race, perhaps that lead group of men would have stayed away, but they didn't. So they, maybe there's an answer there. I don't know. They had, the, they had the bike too, didn't they? I thought there was. I that's thought what there I mean. Was that's what there. I mean. Yeah. They had the bike, but they still got caught. <laughs> yeah. So the women had the bike and they didn't get caught. I don't know. Look, at the end of the day, that's a powerhouse group of women up front yeah. um, that, that Nicola was up against. You mm-hmm. can't have just the two Brits, uh, uh, Flora Duffy, Kate Zafir is driving like yes. I've never seen her before. You can't have an individual time trialer against a team time trial will never win. Yeah. It never will. 
and that's not that's not tainted by talking shit about a lead bike, right? I think it was no, phenomenal. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I just wanted to bring it up because I saw yeah. a conversation. I, so, so Helen, Helen told me about it today too. She, she said, "Did did you know that?" No, I I didn't know what Twitter was till this morning again. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you you know you know me and social media guys never yeah. been a fan of it. But um, yeah, now now we, we've talked about you know. Okay, so we've talked about some standout performances there. Um, was there any performances that we were kind of like eh, a bit lackluster? Yeah, again, you, you go, you go, you, you got, you got to feel sorry for Ashley and and, and the Aussies. That just sucks for them getting lapped out because she's a World Series winner, right, Ashley? And and she's oh, not been phenomenal. Exposed. Exactly, phenomenal athlete. She doesn't want to be seen to be doing that. Like I don't want yeah. to be seen to come in last. Ashley doesn't want to be seen to be getting lapped. So so that's a shame. And 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 that's a victim of COVID. I think you can say Australia has has, has kind of locked down and done what they've done for the pandemic, but the athletes certainly were in a position to be competitive on a world stage because yeah. of that. Mm. I agree with you though. Um, but and anybody, I mean, I thought perhaps Summer Rappaport, I was a little disappointed that she wasn't able to stick on the back of that bike, but we already talked about that. But because I would have liked to seen her run in that lead group, um, you know, maybe alongside Katie. I think she had the potential. I just think she was a little off. And then Taylor Nib, um, I love Taylor and I think she's done incredible to make the team. Um, I think she was just a bit nervous and maybe a little overwhelmed. And uh, so she she was a little bit further back she was 16th in the end and i thought perhaps taylor could have helped nicola on the that chase group a little bit um yeah agreed on the winners um, yeah and, and and rachel glamour i think i think race well I, I don't know how old rachel is now but but that's certainly a big performance for her fourth yeah. yeah i think she's about 31 just over, yeah. yeah so i wonder what the next four years are going to look like for rachel like is, yeah. is she going to carry on which i assume she will she's certainly got plenty of time could, mm. could, could it be a great four years for her I, I was, uh, there's, here's a little side gig for this one. We, I thought this was awesome. So Rachel Clammer and Richard Murray are, Murray, uh, are married. <laughs> married. Um, uh, Richard got fourth in Rio and, and now Rachel got fourth here. So they're a married couple with two fourths. Laura, does that sound familiar? Very smart. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we looked at that and we had a bit of a laugh actually, because, yeah. you know, I was fourth in, in 04 and Laura was fourth in 08 and, uh, and now they've done the same thing, those two. So anyway, I think congrats to Rachel Clammer. It was a good race. Um, and uh, anyway, guys, yeah, there's a lot of athletes that are leaving fairly disappointed. Um, you know, they, they call it post-Olympic depression. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you guys thinking? How, how, how can athletes manage this feeling? You know, we all sit here now a long time after our races and, and we can all reflect and go, yeah, I'm actually proud of being an Olympian. And we actually feel quite good about it now. But this initial response for a lot of them, you know, is there anything we can kind of say that would make I, them feel better? I think you're allowed to have a little time mm-hmm. to kind of absorb it. I used to be on Greg a lot when we were racing. <laughs> He'd get very upset. He's like, I need, I need at least a couple of hours. Just let me be upset for a while. You know, I'm already doing it logically. Okay, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. But I do think you, you need a little bit of time because you've dedicated so much of your life to, to trying to achieve. and and that uh, trying to achieve never goes away. And so it's all about management. And so I think that having that little bit of time to have that post-Olympic depression is fine. And then having finding some way to get perspective on the big picture of life and what other goals you want to achieve. Mm. And I think the quicker you transition out of that, the quicker you are to more success. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. Yeah. Jinxie, what do you think? She gives you a hard time, that Laura Bennett, doesn't she? Oh, she's been on me, mate, for, for 21 years we've been together. <laughs> yeah, some, some, she's, on you, she's on you in some ways more than others, mate. <laughs> it's a roller coaster over here. It's a roller coaster. Oh. It's a lot of drama. You, you, you mentioned the word life, isn't it? You're like triathlon, yeah. triathlon's consuming. And I think what you guys did, similar to us, you, you had a perspective. This is triathlon. This is life. And what's important to me now they're both important to me but i can't have one consume me and the other one not be relevant and some of these athletes will come away disappointed as as we've said and what do they do and there's a lot of triathlon groups out there you you, you guys know that and that's how they work they they have a bunch of triathletes doing the same thing they live together they breathe together that for me is particularly draining and i'm not sure the longevity of that is the same as if you're able to have a life unable to have your sport and a career and, and you have separation between them mm. for most of the day for the majority of your year sure there's camps where you go in and you train as a group and you get the benefits of having camaraderie and you get the benefits of having somebody push you every day but i don't know that that's a positive long term and coming out of this i think if, if some people are able to reflect and say well this training camp was good because it pushed me to achieve my best but i didn't have a life outside of it and now I'm coming away from Olympic Games, what does that mean? What's my focus? They're driven, like you said, they're, they're motivated people, and that's never going to change. So we, the concern of Helen and ours is, is we see around the UK, like specific triathlon training groups, and they have their place. I'm not saying they don't. But at the same time, I'm, I'm not sure if it's a healthy way to live your life where that is all you do, triathlon, and there is nothing outside. Yeah, I've been in those training groups mm-hmm. and I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. And they, they're, they're good for a little period of your life, perhaps, and, and maybe at a certain period of your career, maybe in your 20s or something. But I know it's funny to hear you talking about balance, Jinxie, my goodness. Um, but no, but it is. I think, I, think, I think both Laura and I excelled in our careers when we left training groups and did just train together and focus on ourselves and use others when we needed to and created our team around us. Um, but trying to, when you're consumed in a training group and especially if you're coming out of an Olympics and you're a bit flat, and maybe you're going back into that group and there's been some people that have been successful and you haven't, it can be exhausting Absolutely. just managing those emotions, right? I mean, and there, there are a few training groups out there and they're doing exceptionally well for the most part, but, but, looking long, long term, staying in those groups, I think a lot of athletes might want to start, you know, especially the older ones, the ones that are getting into their thirties might want to con- consider doing more work on their own. Mm. It's, it's just different ways of doing it, isn't it? Like it could, it would never have worked. Helen would never have had the career she had. We'd, I, I, we wouldn't have lasted as long as we did in the sport. I'm not sure if that's the same for you guys. Would you have enjoyed your career as much as that's what it was? You had a life outside you, you built your house, you, you had a life and um, I don't know. I don't know either. I, I think I think it really comes down to it really comes down to what period you are in your career and what do you need at that moment. Yeah, um, and and yeah, I think when I think about athletes coming out of these Olympics, maybe di- being maybe disappointed or whatever with their performance, because like we said, there are a lot of them will be. I would say to them, keep your chin up. The best is ahead of you. It's amazing when you come out of these disappointments that if you can just keep showing up, it's like I say at the start of this show, you know, success comes to those who just endure one moment longer. And it's like, just keep your chin up, figure out what went wrong in this one. I think write it down, 
Um, because as you get further and further away, you're like, oh, I could have done this, I could have done that. I was like, well, no, no, no. Figure out what you could have done better. Um, learn from the guys that won. What did they do? What did Christian Blumenfeld and Flora Duffy do? What have they been doing? And what have they been doing? It's not an overnight Study thing. what the best is. <laughs> Listen to my episode with all the Olympic champions. They give all the secrets away, you know, and, and then I would say, you know, put a plan in place and then and then go for Paris in three years and yeah. then LA and then Brisbane. They're all ahead of us. So, you know, especially for some of the younger guys, man, you've got quite a lineup of great Olympics coming up and, you know, triathlon just continues to grow. The world series is just amazing. Um, some of the best triathlon you could ever watch. Um, the talent just keeps improving the, the training, the way they train now is so much better than the way I did anyway. Agreed, uh, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, much. Just so much better. So find a great coach. Um, and these days, a decent sports scientist because the science uh, coming out yeah. next level. Yeah. Um, and I was never into that, but after my conversations on this show, there's so much to learn. Yeah. Um, but so, I, I mean, we're on the same page with all this stuff. I think you ask yourself, come out of this not happy. Ask yourself a question: What did I do good? What didn't I do good? You said mm-hmm. there that the ones who won, um, they've probably done it right, but they've they've had a lot of failure in the past. Like like Flora, mm-hmm. for instance, she she's it's taken her a long time to get here, and I think that's when you learn your most. The, learn the most is is through failure. If you're successful, you can carry on doing the same thing generally, and you'll probably be successful. But if you fail, that's when you've got to ask yourself the big questions, and don't just carry on doing the same things. You're right, Greg. Build a team. Mm-hmm. Get a, get a good physiologist around you because I mean, there's there's a phys, there's physiologist and there's good physiologist. They're different. Um, mm-hmm. And then similarly, have a have a good S and C person who you can go to. Where am I weak? How, why am I getting injured? Uh, and uh, you know, something athletes will shy away from all the time. Have a good sports psychologist. Get mm-hmm. l- let them challenge you. Let them ask you uncomfortable questions. Because if you want to improve, you've got to be prepared to ask yourself un- question, uh, uncomfortable questions. Because when you stand in the start line, you need to know you've done everything, like we've said. And those uncomfortable yeah. questions will put you in a place and you go, oh, yeah, maybe I'm not doing that. Maybe I'm too comfortable in my home environment. Maybe I'm too comfortable in my training environment. Who knows? It's, but but th- there are experts out there, mate, and they're training a whole lot different now than than we used to because there's bigger teams, there's better teams, and the Norwegians, by the sound of it, sounds of it, have a great team. The, the, the Norwegians, beyond their team, there's a brotherhood there. There's a camaraderie. They actually want the very best for each other. I've never seen a group where it, it started with a real the, the coach and Christian, and then they've welcomed these other athletes in, Gustav Eden and, and Kasper Sturnes, and now the women um, – uh, What's her name? Miller uh, from, from Norway, who's also improving. They're, they're, they're building their, their women's team. They, but there's this camaraderie. There's this almost this brotherly love that I think when we talk about the physical and mental preparation, then there's the emotional preparation that if you can come from a, a place of joy and happiness and you're excited to, to go training, you're excited to go racing and you want the best for your team, I think uh, that's a that's a massive area to come from, and I think that's what the Norwegians have done really well. On top of their sports science and everything else they're doing, and doing all the big miles and the hard training. Um, Teams are powerful tool, isn't it? It's, it's what mm-hmm. Helen, Helen says is part of her motivation. London. How did you get through that ten k in London? So you couldn't run a step two days before it. Had yeah. had a team. I couldn't let them down. There's a, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of power in that, isn't there? There really, there really is. So on that jinx, mm-hmm. we'll. we'll- wrap up the show um advice on how to 
you know, for listeners on how to optimize their performances or their life as a whole is, do you have one, one tip or a couple of tips that you, you like to live by? I mean, you've given so much already. Um, I, I, I think you, you and I like listening to people who have more knowledge in certain areas than we do. I, I, I love listening to mm-hmm. various different experts and that's why we surround ourselves with, with a team. I don't want to know everything there is about physiology. So let's have a physiologist. I, I can't be a physiotherapist. Let's have a physiotherapist. Let's go all these people, let's get all these people in the room who have more expertise than we do. Um, right. so, so that's kind of my advice to anybody is be open and be prepared for other people to challenge you and ask you uncomfortable questions. Don't be threatened by it. Mm, I like that. I think that comes along the philosophy of understand your strengths and work towards your strengths and any areas, not so much a weakness. I don't like the word weakness, but areas that you don't know about outsource, you know, outsource and use people that are great at it and surround yourself and build those relationships. Um, no, I, I think that's a fantastic, fantastic answer. And, and finally, who would you want to sit down and have a coffee with? If you could have anybody in the world, you could sit down and have a coffee with Jinxie. Who would it have been? I've just done it for the last hour and a half, mate. Jinxie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I had that conversation. Who would I rather talk to than you guys? I love talking to you guys. Look, I, I think I said, I, I, genuinely, that is true. Why would I want to talk to somebody I don't know? Just because I respect what they've done. They might be a dick and I might think, yeah, that was a shit hour. Wasting my time there. But... But that said, I've just watched the um, the Last Dance, and people have been banging on about it for ages. Michael Jordan, and yeah, he was he was our kind of generation, Greg. I guess wasn't he the nineteen yeah. nineties growing up with Jordan? I watched that documentary, and I thought that guy, like we've said in in, in this podcast, there's generals. Jordan is the general. That guy's a legend. He's awesome, and uh, yeah. yeah, I'd sit down with him for a coffee. Jordan, you fancy coffee? There you go, and I'll join you there. There yeah. we go. We'll you're, not, you. you're, not, you're not invited. Just me and Mike. <laughs> Just, you're not invited. Oh, mate. What, what's next for you guys anyway? Uh, you know? I don't know. Just uh, coaching some clients who've got great goals and uh, some very driven, passionate people out there. Mm-hmm. So it's quite good to support people right. to do their first Ironman and first triathlon. But um, as far as me, I'm doing a renovation on a house we just bought, and that's keeping us busy. And uh, like you got, like you got. Well, it's, it's our residential house. We just bought it. Oh, it's an actual house. Yeah, it's but, it's, it's my actual house, mate. Where we plan to. You are a big investor in property, so. Oh, you, you, got it's, it's, you call me. You call me a slumlord, Greg. Don't I say property. Not. Yeah. I did not call you a slumlord. I would never do that. Would you not? Okay. <laughs> Never. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just between friends. Uh, yeah. So, so just renovate, renovating this property and being a dad, mate, keeps you busy, right? Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Just absolutely. being a dad probably just keeps you busy. I don't know how you find time for the other stuff. I don't. Yeah. I don't know how other people find time. How do people have jobs and be kids? Uh, have kids? Uh, I, I, I have, said that. The and be a we kid, had yeah. two. The moment we had two, we thought, wow. wait, how do people have time to do anything else? but serve these two little people. They have such big needs. Well, you guys, I can't thank you both enough. Uh, Laura, getting up early this morning after the big week you've had. Jinxie, I know you haven't been well, um, but I knew this would be just outstanding to just hear your views and dissect the the races. Mm. We often do this without recording. Um, There's probably a few more swearing and things in it, but uh, this was was really, really fun for me, for both of you. So thank you both for coming on. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening and and sharing the show. I really appreciate it. 
Um, you can find all the show notes and timestamps and links and coupon codes at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. Thanks again, Jinxy. Thanks, Laura. Uh, stay on the line, both of you guys. This was absolutely brilliant. Cheers. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode, so subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.